You're listening to When Love Shows Up, weekly reflections on God's presence. I'm Philip Duvall, the rector of the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thank you for joining us. I became an Episcopalian because of Jesus. As I talked about last week, when I was 22, I was invited to attend a class at a local Episcopal church. This happened to me when I was right in the midst of a spiritual reawakening. After years of disconnection from organized religion and conscious struggle with what I thought about God, I had recently realized I believed in Jesus. Sometime after that realization, I came to the conclusion that I would not be able to practice that belief all by myself and would have to find a community with which to do the work of being Christian. This was the frame of mind I was in when at a farmer's market, a friend of a friend of a friend invited me to this class. So I showed up. The class lasted 10 weeks, and about six weeks in, I was still not sold on the Episcopal Church. I had not attended worship at that point, just the classes. And this is no knock on the class. Our teacher was the first person that made me really think I might want to be a priest. He is an amazing blessing on my life who helped me believe I could actually be Christian. Plus, there was free dinner and cookies. They, they did it all right. Despite that, I wasn't all in. I was still struggling. In part, what I was wrestling with was just how allowing this denomination was. Everyone at my table, my discussion table for the class, seemed to have a different belief in who Jesus is and what that means for us. Some of the people didn't want to talk about Jesus at all, as they felt it made us evangelicals or something. I remember in one class, we were provided Bibles and asked to open them to a specific page number. Page number. I grew up in a church where you learned the Bible by book, chapter, and verse. Page numbers were for the weak. And the teacher, as amazing as he was, wasn't spending his time correcting people or warning them or trying to fix them. He was giving us space to think. Now, you might think I'd like that. And I did, mostly. It was helpful for me, because I didn't want to be corrected or fixed, but it was challenging for me, because shouldn't he try to fix the other people who thought differently than me? I hear myself now. Please know that. I, I know how entrenched in certainty I was. How important I believed it was, was to be certain of something. And then I'd had this religious conversion experience, and it was beautiful, and it changed my life, but it also sometimes reinforced my belief in certainty. Converts are sometimes the most zealous people you'll meet. I wasn't sure what to do. It is important for me not to pretend it's picture perfect, our entrance into the place where we belong. Conversion is not a constant romance or a mass of magical moments. It is a 
process. It's a process with fits and starts. Six weeks into this class, and I wanted to know what this church actually did believe. I wanted to know if they believed in Jesus and what they believed about him. I wanted to know if they believed in impossible things or if they were just trying to be reasonable and thoughtful. Well, that night, that class, the rector of the church got up to teach. The subject she'd been assigned was on evil and on spiritual warfare. Now, she was deeply reasonable and thoughtful, which was not surprising to me at that point. But at the same time, she talked about Jesus. She spoke about Jesus with passion and conviction and talked about how Jesus saved her from evil. She did not speak metaphorically about evil or about Jesus to this group of intellectual thinkers. She spoke from experience. She had marched and protested for racial equality during the civil rights movement as a young white woman. She spoke of the evil of bigotry. Then she told us of the men who accosted her during her protest, who beat her, who bashed in her knees and sent her to the hospital, almost to the morgue. She spoke of the violence in their eyes. I remember her talking about how their hatred had consumed them. She said evil exists. I had been taught evil was about satanic rituals and Ouija boards and heavy metal music and people loving someone they shouldn't. This priest changed my understanding in one fell swoop. And then she spoke passionately of Jesus in Los Angeles to Episcopalians. She spoke about Jesus' clear and consistent advocacy for the love, the humanization, the belonging of all people. And she spoke of how while she lay in the hospital healing from her wounds, Jesus healed her heart and allowed her to choose love instead of hate, as she persisted in the holy work for justice and equity. That night, I sat in this space where this Christian woman connected the spiritual and the practical with articulation, where she connected the actual issues of love and mercy and equality and violence and hatred and fear with the story of how God is working in the world and where Jesus shows up. That Sunday, I showed up. I worshiped with them for the first time. As I walked into the nave of the church, there was a little bowl of holy water. I was very confused. What was I supposed to do with that? The service felt so foreign and familiar at the same time, structured like the services of my youth, but with different words and actions. Some people crossed themselves. Some kneeled. I kneeled, not knowing why. I didn't understand all the words I heard, and I didn't say all of them. 
but I felt them. I was like a camera with the shutter wide open, soaking in the light of every detail. Some of that was romantic. Some was reticence and skepticism. My dad once told me a joke about a church where nobody is singing the hymn because they're all reading ahead to see if they agree with what it says first. That's a little how I was. I remember they read the Nicene Creed, one of the ancient foundational statements of the Christian faith. I remember hearing that we believe in one church, not as in one denomination, but as in some kind of unified people. That resonated with me. Then came communion. I love communion. They had a big cup from which everyone drank. I was used to little individual holy shot glasses. This blew my mind for some reason. Afterward, they commissioned some folks to take communion to homebound people. As they did that, the congregation all said together, We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread and one cup. I was so struck by the desire for unity, the language of belonging to God and to each other, of not just seeking to find common ground, but seeking to be the common ground, to be the place of connection between all. The seeking to be reasonable and acknowledging our skepticism while also engaging in mysterious ritual and openly thanking and praising God. So I kept showing up. In fact, I never stopped showing up. At one point, I moved to North Carolina and I found a church there. I was working on a movie there, and to everyone's chagrin, I insisted on having Sunday mornings off. I can be a stubborn person. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting, and also, I'm going to struggle with believing that. I believe in Jesus, and I don't always know why, or how, or what to do with it. And I will keep showing up. Throughout these last few weeks, I have been talking about when I became an Episcopalian. You might think I believe that it is the only way or the best way to be Christian. I don't. You might wonder if I think we're perfect. I, I don't. Believe me, I don't. There, but there are so many ways to experience Jesus' love in this world, and frankly, while I believe in Jesus and have committed my life to serving him, I am convinced that God is wildly and beautifully and magnificently present in the lives and faith of people who believe very different things than me, including people who are other religions and people who don't believe in God at all. But I'm telling you this story because my colleague Joanna recently preached a sermon about when she became an Episcopalian and what that meant to her. And I realized in hearing her words that, for me, to become an Episcopalian was to be loved and liberated, to be accepted and challenged, 
to be welcomed and transformed, to be not just a recipient of my conversion, but an active participant in it, to follow Jesus in a way that was authentic to the song that has been playing in my heart all these years, to be surrounded by Christians who were not allowed to be themselves in other churches, and to know that I am one of them. I have heard people say that to become some specific religion or find some church was like coming home. Well, I am a believer that you cannot ever go home again. Not really. Like the college student that comes back to their house for the summer. Even when it is comfortable and safe, something has shifted. You... You have shifted, so your home can't be to you what it once was. You may go home, but it's not the home that it was, because you aren't the person you were. When I was 13, my family broke up. My home disappeared. My life was radically altered. My relationship to God changed. For me, becoming an Episcopalian was not at all like coming home. It was the foundation, the cornerstone of the new home I was building. It was a step forward into a new way of being, a new way of being me. And this home is still being built. And this church, this church is not my past. It's my present. This has been When Love Shows Up, a podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer. From Cincinnati, Ohio, the Queen of the Midwest, the crown jewel of the Buckeye State, This is Philip Duvall. Remember, you are blessed and you are a blessing. Thank you for listening. Hey friends, just wanted to remind you that this podcast is free and will always be free to you. However, it is not free to produce. So (laughs) if you like what you hear, I'd like you to consider making a donation to Church of the Redeemer. You can find the link in the show notes. Thank you.